0: In the quiet corridors of the Pacific Northwest where ancient forests whisper secrets and emerald waters flow with eerie tranquility, a chilling enigma once lurked in the shadows. Like a phantom haunting the lush landscapes, the Green River Killer emerged from the depths of the wilderness, leaving a trail of darkness that stained the region for decades. The Saga in the Mysterious Realm in the 1980s where the quaint beauty of the Washington State landscape clashed violently with the horrors that unfolded along the Green River. A cryptic figure, known only by the ominous moniker, concealed his malevolence beneath the cloak of his ordinary life, preying upon unsuspecting victims with the methodical and sinister precision. As the bodies accumulated, each one became a haunting echo in the collective consciousness a community was thrust in a state of fearful speculation. Whispers of a faceless predator slithered through the fog laden streets, casting a pall over the once idyllic landscapes. The river, once a symbol of serenity, now bore witness to a grim taboo of crime and violence. Unraveling the mystery of the Green River Killer requires diving into the heart of darkness where shadows dance in sinister choreography, and the past casts a long, chilling shadow over the present. Join as we navigate the twisted labyrinth of the unsolved puzzle, where the enigmatic Green River Killer remains a ghostly specter, haunting the annals of true crime with a legacy that refuses to be forgotten. All and this more on Deep Digs. Hey, 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 hey. What is going on, everybody? Miles Deep here, and welcome to the very first podcast episode of Deep Digs, where we explore every corner of insanity of the mind. Anyways, with further ado, as you can tell, we are dealing with the Green River Killer. Oh. What an absolute sicko, am I right? So what we'll end up doing after each episode is we'll pretty much talk about the topic at hand in story form. And then after we talk the story about, you know, the topic, then we'll dive a little into it. Kind of uh, pick it apart a little bit, highlight some things about it. And, uh, you know, if you don't know who it is, then, um, well, you will after you hear this. And then after we talk about the topic of hand, depend upon time, we might you know dive into some paranormal. I mean, it's, it's something in the realms here, guys and girls. But, anyhow, I do hope you enjoy this. I really do. And uh, we'll go from here and see how it turns out, right? Am I right? Let's go before I run this entire thing. And as you can tell, it's not just scary stuff. It's it's freaky stuff, it's scary stuff, it's real stuff, but you gotta sprinkle in a little bit of humor, because sometimes in life that's all we have. Now, let's get into it. In the heart of the Pacific Northwest, where emerald canopies embrace the land and the river's gentle whispers weave tales of ancient mysteries, a malevolent force once slithered through the shadows, leaving behind a trail of horror that lingers to this day. The Green River Killer, a phantom of darkness, etched his sinister legacy into the very fabric of Washington State turning the picture's landscapes into a haunting canvas of fear. Picture, if you will, the quietude of a mist-laden morning along the Green River. The air thickens with unsettling stillness, as if nature itself hesitates to excel in the presence of an unseen menace. The dense foliage, once a haven for secrets, now conceals the grim echoes of a predator who stalked his prey with almost supernatural cunning. In the 1980s, the tranquility of this region was shattered by a series of unspeakable crimes as the Green River Killer emerged from the murky depths of obscurity. His victims, faceless and voiceless, became tragic notes in a haunting symphony that echoed through time. The killer's elusiveness mirrored the elusive dance of shadows beneath the towering trees, a ballet where the hunter seamlessly merged from the haunted landscapes. The chilling precision, with the Green River Killer selected, subdued and extinguished his victims, adds the specter lair to the tale. The river, once a symbol of life-giving substance, transformed into a condent of despair carrying away the secrets of the fallen into the edge of the depths. The killer of phantom Melvins seemed to derive or of pleasure from the very essence of the land itself, as if the trees themselves whispered dark secrets to him. Communities were thrust into the grip of terror, with each grisly discovery amplifying the sense of foreboding that pervaded in the region. The faceless assailant left behind a tapestry of fear, each victim an edible stitch that bounded the community in shared nightmares. Neighbors glanced at one another, wondering if the eyes of the killer lurked beneath the venom. Now, decades later, the enigma of the Green River Killer remains a spectacle puzzle that defies resolution. The cold cases gathered dust and the whispers of the river carry the weight of ensuing recrums and the shadows persist in the unsettling waltz the legacy of the green river killer endures and mark of the collective memory a testament to the chilling truth that some mysteries are destined to remain entangled in the tendrils of the supernatural and stillness of the night and as the river murmurs its timeless lament the question remains Does the shadow of the Green River killer still loom, waiting to reclaim the land in a sinister encore? And I guess we'll, uh, find out, right? Now let's get into the, um, nitty-gritty here of the Green River Killer. Um, Let's go ahead and we're going to talk about some of the key points Um, and my biggest fear, I guess, into diving into this story was a copycat killer down the road. Um, But anyways, let's dive into some key points and we'll talk about those key points. Okay, now identity and capture. Gary Ridgway. He was born in February 18, 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Also, he was arrested in 2001 and 2003. Ridgway pleaded guilty to 48 counts of aggravated first-degree murder, making him one of the most prolific serial killers in American history. Now, his victim profile, like, you know, who he went after or killed, well, Ridgway primarily targeted young women, many of whom were involved in sex work and vulnerable populations. Um, him himself, by the way, was, was known to linger through there. He, he, loved, he loved everything about that. Even though he was married, he still wanted to go to the strip, always. But his killing spree is believed to have started in the early 1980s. And the victims were initially uh, concentrated around the Green River in Washington State. Now, his M.O. is Ridgway strangled the majority of his victims, often, you know, using ligatures, uh, mostly probably like a brawl, shorts, um, you know, some uh, cord, something of that nature. Now, he would dump the bodies in wooded areas. Along riverbanks or in other remote locations. And uh, uh, one thing about this, though, is we we started a second ago and said that he had, uh, what was that, uh, 48 counts. At least that we know. But the exact number of Ridgeway's victims is still uncertain. Because he confessed to 48. But it's widely believed that the actual number could be higher. i seen 70, I believe. But anyways, um, the crime spree investigations, the Green River killers' uh, crimes spanned over an extended period. The investigation was one of the most prolonged and costly in U.S. history. Uh, law enforcement formed what they would call later call the Green River Task Force uh, to investigate the murders. Now, DNA evidence. This is the hard part, because due to the timing. But Ridgeway was linked to the murders through DNA evidence. In a plea deal, he agreed to provide information on the location of his victims in exchange for avoiding the death penalty. Um, mostly because he's a wiener. You know, he's going to do all that stuff and then be like, please, I'll tell you where a couple are at. Just don't kill me. Which is, is utter garbage. Makes me just sick. But uh, in any way, sentencing-wise, uh, in 2003... Ridgway was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility ever of parole now you know his cooperation with law enforcement and the resolution of the cases gave closure to the families of the victims now you uh, know, a little background here about old Ridgway is here's the weird part but Ridgway led a you know seemingly ordinary life working as a truck painter and and being married several times uh, and he was never initially a suspect in the killings. His ability to blend into society uh, contributed to the difficulty in identifying. Uh, the Green River Killer, though, is is still a, a chilling, chilling chapter in criminal history. You know, highlighting the challenges and the complexities of investigating captured, you know, serial offenders. Now, you know, Ridgeway's capture, you know, marked the end of a dark era for the Pacific Northwest of Washington. But the scars, though, left behind his, his heinous crimes live on. But, um, now the weird, the crazy part here is, you know, I did see a documentary on the Green River Killer, which was funny because I've known a lot of serial killers. And I, I looked at the Green River Killer and it never interested me, interest me very much at all. And then I, I just kind of looked into it like, this guy is, you know, crazy. And you would never know by seeing i or looking at him, he'd be capable of what he was. But you know, looking to uh, looking at the uh, documentary though, and I'm about to read to you here about the 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 main the first suspect. Which, by the way, I don't blame the law enforcement for his, um, suspect number one, which they thought they had him, Mister Melvin Foster. Um, first major suspect. I mean, this this. This dude was, uh, of course it was not Gary Ridgway, It was not the first one, but uh, he was a truck painter, just like Ridgway, just like Ridgway, and had a criminal record, and has been convicted of raping a prostitute in the past. Foster was arrested in 1984 in connection with the Green of Murders, was later released of course due to lack of evidence linking him to the crimes. He had crap in his vehicle. He was a taxi driver too, and uh, he had crap in his vehicle. That I mean, garments, you name it. He was a weirdo, but um, yeah, definitely he was not the actual Green River killer. Of of course, but yeah, that just shows you, you know, everything that the task force, you know, had challenges and difficulty tracking the actual serial, serial killer. You know. Um yeah, Melvin Foster. You should definitely look it up. Uh this guy, if you watch me in interview, he's definitely a creep. Um he talks like he asks him did he did you kill did you kill any of these women? And he's like first place he's really awkward, socially awkward, and he responds back and he's like, I killed I I I sh- should have should have killed. It just he's just weird. Like I would have arrested that guy. I mean, if, if being weird was an offense to get arrested, then that dude would have been locked away in '84. But I mean, back back to the topic at hand of the Green, the actual Green River Killer, Gary Ridgway. Um, you know about him in general, I'm just kind of give you a picture. He I mean, he grew up in a troubled environment with a domineering mother. Uh, reports of him wetting the bed. Uh, exhibiting cruelty to animals, which, of course, you know, is often considered early signs of a disturbed personality. But, um, you know, uh, criminal history, I mean, you know, r- prior to the Green River murders, uh, he was just one time arrested in 1982, of course, for soliciting prostitution and evading police. But his, I'll tell you what, his marriages you know he was married 3 times and his marriages you know were often just terrible you know wise r- reported instance of domestic violence um you know it it all stems from his first marriage he was deployed and I get you know when he came back his um wife found somebody else and he automatically was like you know you you must be a prostitute if you're going to sleep around, um, with other people. So and even in the interview, um, when he's you know in orange. He 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 still gets kind of choked up a little about it, which I'm not, I'm not giving no oh uh, poor you know Gary, but you know he that he, that definitely bugged him for sure. But more about his his truck painting, you know he. He worked for a truck painter for much of his life, um, and it allowed him to move and blend into, you know, different communities. But his co-workers, though, described him as, you know, unremarkable and unassuming. Of course, uh, all that contributing to his ability to avoid suspicion. Um, but yeah, it, his killing spree started in the 80s and continued for like, you know, over 20 years. Um like again, his mo is a majority of his women were vulnerable women, you know in, involved in prostitution uh, or had troubled lives, but he would pretty much just pick them up um along the Pacific highway, you know south in Washington state, which is uh crazy, and then, of course I mean, he was sentenced in o three, but no one um, golly, I mean he showed if you've seen the documentary he he showed you know the 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 victims and and where a lot were buried or he buried and he you know and what's crazy is they got help and you're not going to believe this but they got help from none other than Ted Bundy which also we might or might not uh do a episode on but they reached out to Ted Bundy and they're like hey Yo, we need help, so I mean Ted Bundy pretty much gave his words of wisdom, which was pretty much he's seen himself in this situation this this Green river killer before they found him gary um he said uh you know he he might be um might be a necrophiliac and uh like himself, but anyways. So, which is even more disturbing, but he said that um you know that, that he, keep watch, I guarantee you that he's gonna come back to his sites where he uh killed those women, so he gave his little chat about it for whatever reasoning, which Ted Bunn is a whole different other can of worms that we'll talk about, another one of most highly sought after prolific serial killers. Um, ever, and what's crazy about him, I think on a rant, it's just funny, not funny, but uh, you know, all that he's done, and then again, because he was a good looking dude, or a normal looking dude, whatever, and in the courtroom, I mean, it was, I I believe the first, or one of the first, televised, high profile cases, Um, but uh, women just gawk after him. And I uh, forget the term for it, but there is a term for it when women are attracted to those men who are dangerous, which is uh, disgusting at most. But anyways, he's serving his sentence um, in 2003 in the Washington State Penitentiary and the Walla Walla. So, that, I mean, that serves him right, but it just it sickens me when people... When people are like, you know, they try some plea deal just because they won't get killed. But they did killing. That's all they did. All right. Now, after knowing about the Green River Killer, it's time to move on to a... Let's just dive into a creepy story, you know, with the dramatics and the music. Why not, right? Let's move on to it. This one here is called... Whispers in the Asylum. The night sky hung heavy over the depopulated mental hospital. Its crumbling walls whispered forgotten tales of despair. The air inside was thick with the weight of lost souls as if the very essence of madness clung to the decaying corridors. This was Saint Agnes Asylum, a place abandoned by both the living and the dead. It was a moonless night that Emily, a curious journalist seeking the truth, ventured into the forsaking institution. The creaking gate moaned in protest as she pushed it open. And the Asylum seemed to draw her in like a moth to an unworldly flame. The flickering light of her flashlight revealed hallways adorned with peeling wallpaper, each step echoing with the distant murmur of voices long silenced. As Emmy explored the shadowed recesses, she stumbled upon a forgotten room at the end of a dim corridor. The door groaned open, revealing a chamber frozen in time, its beds draped in tattered sheets. In the silence, Emily could hear the soft padding of footsteps as if spectral residents still roamed the halls. A chill crept down her spine as she continued her exploration, guided by an unknown force deeper into the asylum's heart. As she reached the decaying common room, Emily felt an unsettling presence, as if the hundred eyes watched her every move. The air turned icy, and she caught a glimpse of a ghostly figure lingering in the corners of her vision. Patience from the bygone era, their hollow eyes pleading for release. In one room, Emily discovered a forgotten diary, Its pages told tales of cruel treatments, experiments in the name of science, and the tormented screams of those deemed incurable. The words seemed to leap off the pages, filling the air with the anguished cries of the past. The temperature dropped further, and Emily's breath hung in the air like spectral mist. Whisperers grew louder and a fragment of memories and tortured souls seeking acknowledgement. It was then that she saw her reflection in a cracked mirror, but the image staring back was not her own. Hollowed eyes and spectral visage gazed back at her. A cold wind swept through the asylum, extinguishing Emily's flashlight. In the darkness, the voices reached and unseen hands seemed to pull her into the tapestry of the asylum's haunted history. Whispering of despair and anguish enveloped her, an asylum reclaiming its lost daughter. To this day, locals speak of St. Ag's Asylum, warning curious souls to steer clear of the haunted remnants. But, late at night, when the wind howls through the broken windows, those who listen carefully can still hear the anguished whispers of the forgotten souls that linger within, forever imprisoned in the decaying asylum of eternal torment. I thought that was a pretty good one there. I thought was a pretty that was that was a pretty good story. Um I mean come on, Whispers in the asylum. So the girl named Emily goes into this asylum, of course being a journalist, um, you know, diving, delving right into it. Looks in this mirror, and I, I would I would agree that some of the creepiest things that I could think of Would be, you know, looking into a mirror. Okay? And then it not being you. Or being an altered self of you. That would be absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. (laughs) And the hollowed eyes thing. Honestly. The hollowed eyes. That would get me, uh... Every time. And I, I do... You know, this story in general is not new. Uh, different rendition. There's tons of renditions of, you know, different backgrounds. Um, uh, you know, someone going to an abandoned asylum, abandoned prison. Um, and they're creepy. They're absolutely creepy stories. And uh, <laughs> the reason why I talk about it afterwards, if you're listening to this at night or you drive home or whatever that's primarily why I talk afterwards because I myself if I'm driving a back road I'm listening to the podcast it's super creepy nothing's worse than when it ends with zero humor zero talking about it and you just end it on that note it's absolutely terrifying Uh, but I do hope that you enjoyed my very first episode of uh, you know Digs, deep digs. Um, it's and I do say I'm a lot, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but not sorry. It happens, I just is what I'd say. But we're going to go into a lot of different things, not just true crime, Ted Bunny's on there too. You know, some other prolific serial killers, but I, I was thinking about you know, the off pass. There's a few different... I got a lot up my sleeve here. A lot of stories on the way. But I do hope you enjoyed everything we have here today in this episode. And uh, if you never knew who the Green River Killer was, like myself, now you know. And I'm glad you took this little story, maybe a little campfire story that you could tell someone else and mention to someone else. But uh, we'll do do some votes or something of that nature. But go ahead and uh, I'll I'll write it in the notes as well. But you can follow me now, crazy enough. I am TikTok addicted, of course. And I'm not only a podcaster, but I am a Twitch streamer affiliate. That's right, I do other things other than talk. But uh, if you do want to catch me, it is Miles Deep YT, all one word. Miles Deep YT. Follow that. That's on TikTok, Instagram, Twitch. Uh, however you want to see. If you want to see your podcast, if you want to see your podcast host, Miles Deep in action, something a little bit different than you're used to, then I will be there, of course. But this has been amazing, great. Thank you all for the support, the love. And uh, you all have a good rest of your morning, evening, or afternoon. And this is Miles Deep signing out. Later, everybody.